0: You can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us.
1: Here's Pastor Mike. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 13 this morning and the birds. Now, what do we call this when we look at these things from the Old Testament and and other metaphors to help to interpret this parable? Well, it's called the law of expositional constancy. And you'll see that throughout the Bible. When there's a metaphor or a type or, or something used of something, it's always consistent throughout the Bible. And so that becomes even more clear when we look at this woman who's taken leaven and put it in these three measures of meal. What does leaven represent in Scripture? It represents sin, right? All the way back in Exodus, when the children of Israel were leaving the leaving Egypt, they were to sweep their house, get all the leaven out. They were to make unleavened bread. And Jesus, of course, would use this, you know, beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. What was the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees? We covered it just a few, maybe a few months ago. You guys remember what the, the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees was? hypocrisy. What do we see in this leader of the synagogue? You hypocrite, right? And so there we see it, leaven within the the meeting right there. And what does this three measures of meal represent? Well, that's maybe a little bit difficult. You need to do a little bit of research for that one. A lot of the offerings that were given in the Old Testament required three-tenths of an ephah. A tenth of an ephah was a common measurement, and so for their grain offerings, they would offer three measures of meal. But the first time we see it was actually in Genesis chapter 18. And you remember that Abraham and Sarah were dwelling in the plains of Mamre. And these three men came to them. And Abraham realized it was the Lord. And so as he goes in to talk to Sarah, he, it says in verse 18.6, Genesis 18.6. So Abraham hurried in to the tent, to Sarah, and said, quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And so what this speaks of is fellowship with God. So the kingdom of God is, is three measures of meal that's made into cakes. It's a, it's a fellowship with the Lord, but then someone comes and leavens it, sticks some and leavening. What happens when you put a little bit of yeast in in a lump of dough? It permeates its way through the whole thing. And so it's, it's important to understand that this is a warning to us and to the leader of that synagogue and to all the people who attend there that, yes, the church, is, it's God's field, God's lump, it's God's, you know, tree, but the enemy's always going to try to make his way in. And we have to be on guard for that course you know i think sometimes we want to well let's just get rid of the evil right let's kick it out let's uproot you know let's cast them out but what did jesus tell about tell us about that a man had a field and his enemy went and sowed tares kingdom of heavens like a man with a field and his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and he says what do you do he says should we take out the tares he says no lest you accidentally pull up wheat and that's what happens isn't it you know, try to get rid of all the evil, you end up hurting people. People, you know, don't understand, and they end up leaving and, and all that stuff, too. And so, you know, he says, just let them grow together and let the Lord sort them out, you know. Sometimes we want to just kill them all and let the Lord sort them out. But no, he says, let them live and let the Lord sort them out. It's going to happen. And, and so we have to understand that that's the, that's the situation that we're in and and those within the church even church leaders sometimes are put there by the enemy to lead people astray to pull people away from the flock to to cause damage and we also have you know things institutions within what is known as Christendom let's just call it Christendom and sometimes it is very dumb that are very satanic you know, we, we think of the Christian cults, and that's what they call them, Christian cults, because they basically have borrowed all the language from the church, and they've established their own group. Uh, and so you think of things like the Mormons, or the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Christian Scientists, or the Way International, or the Unification Church, or Unitarian Church, Worldwide Church of God, or Progressive Christianity. And one thing that's interesting about all of these, and any time you find a variant group that is pulling itself away from what Christianity is they always diminish who Jesus is or his mission or they outright deny his divinity and that's always what you'll see you know that's the first thing you look for i had somebody asking me well i, I met these people and they they wanted me to go through these bible study materials and i you know i i don't know if it's from the lord because they seem really nice and just seem like a divine appointment or i don't know if it's from the enemy and the first thing I thought was good discernment. Good, good discernment. I said, find out what they believe about Jesus. And when a little bit of research was done, and we start to discover what they believe about Jesus, they, they were not Christians. And so that's, that's just the way that it is. You always can find it. And the other thing is they're always works-based faith. Yeah, and, and so, what does that mean to be a works-based faith? Okay, so, of course, you know, we're created for good works. That's what the Bible tells us, right? We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We have to remember what it says right before that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast, right? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that He's prepared before him that we might walk in them. And so what does that mean? Well, what it means is there is nothing I can ever do that God is going to owe me something. There is never anything I'm going to do that God is going to owe me. I'm never going to be, God is never going to be a debtor to me. And so, yes, I am going to do works that, that I didn't even do myself, that the Holy Spirit did through me. And yes, I am going to be rewarded for those things. Praise the Lord. But at the end of the day, I'm going to throw my crown at Jesus and say, you alone are worthy, right? That's Christianity. Every other religion, there are works that you do to earn position or place or something from God. And at the end of the day, God owes you something. And that's a works-based faith, that I'm earning position. Whereas in Christianity, I can earn reward, but I don't deserve any of it. And I will acknowledge that before the throne. I am not worthy. You alone are worthy. And when that scroll is brought out, and it's, you know, basically, who can redeem mankind? And they look for one person who's worthy under the earth, on the earth, in the abyss. They looked everywhere. And nobody in heaven or on earth was worthy to take the seal and open his scrolls. And John starts to cry. Why? Because without that scroll, it can't be the end of the world. Right? And he wants the end of the world. He wants to see the end of the world. So he cries because it's not the end of the world. Not usually we cry because we think it's the end of the world. It's completely opposite. It's a bad joke. Anyway. But nobody's worthy. But then the lamb, as though it had been slain, the lion of the tribe of Judah takes the scroll, or takes the, yeah, takes the scroll, and he opens its seals because he is worthy and Jesus is our righteousness. He is our worthiness. He is everything. And, and if you have a, a religion telling you you need to strive to be worthy or strive to, be, to, to earn a place, then that is, uh, uh, it is the birds, right? It's for the birds. It's leaven. So Jesus is giving them this warning. And really, when you boil it down, what is the warning? Do you truly love God? And, and the same, do you truly love people? Because that's what Christianity is about, is to be transformed in our lives so that we will have, be filled with the love of Jesus so that we love God and we love people. And that makes it, when we're filled with love, it makes it easy to forgive, it makes it easy to treat people well, and, and we, it makes it easy to see that this woman needs to be let loose on the Sabbath day. It doesn't matter if it's the Sabbath day. Because God wouldn't want her to continue to be like that. Or are we just all about the rules and regulations and the religion? Because that's oftentimes where we find ourselves. You know, trying to keep the rules, trying to do everything just right. You know, trying not to upset God, trying to appease God somehow. Well, we, don't, we don't have a religion of appeasement, do we? We have a religion of Relationship if you'd even call it a religion. It's, it's a relationship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And he forgave me of all of my sin. And so therefore, I can freely forgive those who have sinned against me or done me harm or caused me problems in my life. And I can have love in my heart for other people. And, and so, so maybe you're here today and you're bound by something. Maybe you're bound by bitterness or religion or sin or fear or worry or anxiety. Or maybe you're just not doing well. And Jesus, is, is, he sees you. Just like he saw the woman. He always sees the person with the greatest need. And you're thinking, man, I probably should go to a different church then. Where they got it all together because everybody at Calvary Chapel's kind of messed up a little bit, you know. <laughs> no. He sees you. He cares about you. He, he wants to heal you. And maybe mentally, maybe physically. Maybe religious gatekeepers in the past have kept you from Jesus. And they said, no, you don't need that.